Welcome. I am your host, Leto Armitage. Please take the large red couch and help yourself to the tea on the side table. It is Monday, October the 2nd, 2023, and this is Season 1, Episode 1 of the Snuggery Podcast. Each Monday throughout this month, I will discuss a few vampire movies that merge the titillating and terrifying through the vehicle of the Nosferatu. So, this is not a place where I will discuss non-erotic vampiric works such as the animated Vampire Hunter D or the excellent 30 Days of Night. These will be short episodes, and I hope from this haven of hedonism that it will help highlight some horror for your hungry nights. I am going to kick off this list with two films that you might already know. These are both mainstream Hollywood movies that take very different approaches to the sensual and the sanguine. First up is Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It deviates from the epistolary novel in many ways, though despite those variations, it remains the most faithful adaptation I can think of, especially in how it catches the vampire as a symbol of violent primal lust, contrasting with the Victorian norms of the age. Featuring Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves, Anthony Hopkins, Tom Waits, Gary Oldman, Lucy Frost, and an underused Carrie Hughes, the cast is amazing. The first of the film's erotic scenes occurs when Reeves, as intrepid English whipping boy Jonathan Harker, is fed upon by the Brides of Dracula. Though their roles are relatively minor, it is worth mentioning one of the trio in more detail. Raven-haired Italian Monica Bellucci was cast with this only as her second film. Her debut was only a year earlier in an Italian comedy. However, if you don't know her career, I strongly recommend the 2000 Italian film release Malena and 2001's French film La Pâque des Loups. In both of these, she drips with enough sensuality that you could collect it into a jar and drink it. Although Mina, played by Winona Ryder, is Dracula's romantic fixation in the movie, as the look-alike and possible reincarnation of his long-dead wife Elizabeth, it is Lucy Westernra who is his sexual prey. Played by Sadie Frost, who was a working actress with several successful films already, she embraced the role, showing more sensuality and going topless and writhing on a bed in a voluminous dressing gown than most porn starlets could accomplish with no practical limitations. Except, perhaps, acting skill. When Mina and Lucy frolic in the rain, in the hedge maze, it is joyous, innocent, sexy, and ominous, as we see the eyes of Dracula projecting over the vast distances as he lies interred on board the Demeter at sea. When the wolf escapes the zoo under Dracula's influence, it is not only a creature under his thrall, but it is a vessel for his spiritual projection, 
transforming into a man-like wolf creature at need. That need comes to bear when it enters Lucy's room and copulates with her, a profane rutting of a noble woman with a wolf, a pure carnal sexual instinct released. And despite the very strong bestiality overtones, manages to capture eroticism and horror in equal measures, something very few films accomplish. And let's be honest, who doesn't want to see a horny redhead ravished by a werewolf? I mean, we're not saints around here. And there are certainly no saints or exemplars of virtue of any form in our next movie. Released four years later from Dusk Till Dawn, embraces a more contemporary invention of vampirism. Released in 1996, the film was written by Quentin Tarantino and directed by Robert Rodriguez. The movie was successful, spawning several questionable sequels, an excellent television series, and a forgettable video game. It is written in two styles with a mid-movie transition. The first part of the movie plays very much how you would expect from the man that also wrote Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Then about 45 minutes in, the protagonists arrive at the trucker stop known as the Titty Twister, and an over-the-top grindhouse takes off. As the characters walk up to the bar, Cheech Marin, who plays three small roles in the film, has an absolutely classic monologue. True to its name, we see scantily dressed and topless dancers, and they are good-looking. I mean, I wouldn't throw any of these Latinas out of bed. But they are mechanical in their movements, go-go dancers more languid than lusty. It is not the best setup for erotica, and indeed, the movie is not erotic, except for one scene, but that scene alone earns the film a place on this playlist. Though I will mention a second one that perhaps some folks find erotic. Shortly after they have settled in at the bar, Danny Trejo's bartender character introduces the dancer Satanica Pandemonium, a name with all the subtlety of a lemon wrapped around a brick smashed upside the viewer's head. Satanica is played by a sultry Salma Hayek in a role that I've been told almost went to Madonna. This is really hard to imagine. I know that Miss Chacon has done a number of erotic-themed works over the years, but I have never felt that sultriness that Salma Hayek radiates in this. And besides, the Michigan native is far too white to play a Latin American vampire. 
When Satanica emerges to dance, she is wearing a long cloak and a headdress and reveals from underneath the cloak a large white snake. As she dances, Satanica sheds the cloak, headdress, and snake. Salma Hayek has said that she entered a kind of trance while doing the dance and improvised it. The dance succeeds at being mystic, as much ritual as risque. It is often called a striptease, but that description is both factually wrong and underwhelming. It is a concert of gyration and undulation that broadcasts the pure potential for feminine pleasure, a male epiphany of the female form in motion, an epiphany of appreciation. As she crosses the tables accompanied by the growling guitar riffs of the Chicano house band, uh, played by the very real and excellent Tito and Tarantula, the camera pans up her legs, and I suspect that more than one prepubescent boy discovered adolescence watching this scene. When she reaches Richie, played by Tarantino, who wrote the scene, Satanica places her toes in his mouth, and Richie sucks on them as if he could extract mana from them. When she pours tequila down her leg and he laps it up, he does so off her toes as if it were ambrosia. Now, to be clear, I do not have a foot fetish. Toes do nothing for me. But while watching that scene, I would gladly saddle up for a turn. You never know if you like it until you try it, right? The other scene that I want to mention is shortly after this. An enraged Satanica abuses George Clooney's character, stepping on his chest and informing him in a monologue that he will be her dog. I'm not gonna join you completely. You'll be my slave. Because I don't think you're worthy of human blood. You'll feed on the blood of stray dogs. You'll be my footstool. And at my command, you lick the dog shit from my boot heel. Since you'll be my dog, your new name will be Spot. Welcome to slavery. It is a scene that does nothing for me, but I suspect more than one submissive finds their pulse quickened by it. From here, the movie transforms into a less sensual, but very carnal bit of cinema in the blood and meat sense, as the violence ramps up and finishes its runtime as an over-the-top grindhouse action horror. So these are for your Halloween sexy vampire playlist from Dusk Till Dawn and Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. As we part ways, I wish to part with a promise. Next Monday, I will return with a trilogy of less known films. They are some of the classic Hammer vampire films known as the Karnstein trilogy. And for all their faults, they are a fascinating bit of both our sexual cultural history and as works of cinema. I think perhaps they reached further than their grasp could reach and what they were trying to accomplish, but I also think they are still very worthy of a place on our playlist. So until then, be naughty and be good to each other.